Welcome to Laces Out, an NFL podcast that goes over everything football. Here to talk all things football is your host Suhaib. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the rest of this show. Yo, yo, yo. What is up, guys? Welcome back to another episode of Laces Out. I am your host, Sahaib, and today I have an exciting show lined up for you guys. After what was an exciting week six, I have a ton of stuff to go over. I can't wait to get into it. What I'm getting get into that. Wow, I can't even speak from how excited I am. But, but in today's episode, I will be going over a trade that happened in the NFL earlier today, um, given my key takeaways from this past week, and then going over, you know, other other different segments such as giving my team of the week reactions overreactions of the week stock up stock down studs and duds of the week and looking ahead to Thursday night football matchup between the Cardinals and the Saints as you guys can see it is a stacked episode but before we begin I just wanted to remind everyone that Laces Out is an NFL podcast that goes over everything football so if you're a fan, if you're an NFL fan of any sort this podcast is for you you can find us on all the major podcast platforms such as Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and so much more. I really appreciate all your support. Let's just get right into it. Let's start off with around the NFL. Um, as you guys all know, with the Carolina Panthers, their whole situation, you know, Robbie Anderson got into it with interim head coach Steve Wilkes, and it was just really, you know, the writing was on the wall. Robbie Anderson has had a ton of issues with Carolina in the past, whether it was with, you know, certain teammates, the coaching staff and whatnot, it just really didn't look like it was going to work out for both sides. And earlier today, to no, to no one's surprise, Robbie Anderson gets traded to the Arizona Cardinals, who are dealing with an injury with their starting receiver and Marquise Brown. He is expected to be out for a couple of weeks. Um, I mean, it was just a minor trade, Robbie Anderson, for, late, for a, a couple late-round picks. And honestly, I think this is a good move for all three parties involved. From Carolina's point of view, you just couldn't bring back Robbie Anderson after the fight he had with your current interim head coach. For Robbie Anderson, it's a fresh start. It just didn't work out in Carolina, and he goes into a better situation offensively and gets a better quarterback. And then for the Arizona Cardinals, honestly, I really like this move a lot for them. When healthy, they'll have D-Hop, Marquise Brown, Robbie Anderson, arguably giving them one of the best right receiver trios in the game. You know, it's not the best. However, I feel like they can be top five when they're at their best. And, you know, it gives the Cardinals and it gives Kyler Murray more weapons. And honestly, this is like a move that's low risk high reward. They didn't give up much. They get a guy that can like take the top off of defense in Robbie Anderson. And for now, he can be Marquise Brown's replacement. They're very similar. Both speedy receivers can really take, a, as I said, take a top off of defense. And when Marquise Brown comes back, you have three solid starting receivers and, you know, in an air raid offense such as the Cardinals, the more receivers, the better, I'd like to say. And when all healthy, I feel like they, this is a really, really good offensive group to have if you're the Arizona Cardinals. But, yeah, that is that trade. And then sticking with the trade subject, it was reported by, you know, ESPN that the Packers are looking to bring in wide receiver help for Aaron Rodgers. The real question is, will it actually happen this year? I, I feel like the same report comes out every year. However, I feel like this year is different. And the reason being... The Packers offense looks really bad. We're going to talk a bit more about the Packers offense as we go later on into the episode. However, it's just been really bad. They're reeling right now. They're coming off back-to-back losses against the New York teams who are playing on a high right now, but that's for a different topic. 
However, for the Green Bay Packers, their offense has been struggling. Aaron Rodgers just can't seem to get anything going. Not only Aaron Rodgers, Matt LaFleur, um, A.J. Dillon, Aaron Jones, the receiver receiving core, and now with the injury to Randall Cobb, I feel like they're more pressed to go for wide receiver help, whereas in previous years, they would say, you know, <laughs> it's, it's, it's funny, like Packers fans, they're always, they don't really... They don't really believe anything until it happens. They've just been hurt too many times. I know this particular Packers fan. He's just waiting. If it happens, it happens. If not, he's not going to get his hopes up. However, I feel like this year is going to be different. I feel like the Packers front office is going to be pressured into making a move for a wide receiver, especially with how this offense has been struggling. And then there are potential options that include, I feel like the biggest guy that they should target is DJ Moore. You know, DJ Moore is, you know, in a bad situation out in Carolina. This team is really struggling, and I feel like they're in a rebuilding phase, and I feel like DJ Moore would be a guy that would be um, you know, available to, for trade, and I feel like Green Bay Packers should go in and call. DJ Moore would be a perfect fit in this Green Bay Packers offense. You know, He'll give Aaron Rodgers a wide receiver one, something that's, that they're sorely lacking this year. Yeah, they have guys like Romeo Dubes or, uh, or, Romeo Dubs or um, Christian Watson and whatnot. And Alan Lazard, but they're not true wide receiver ones. The rookies could be and could end up being wide receiver ones. However, they're not true wide receiver ones. And I feel like DJ Moore can come and be that wide receiver one, and that would open up so much more for the offense. Really take the pressure off guys like Watson and Romeo, and then you know you have guys like Alan Lazard who who like play particularly well when they're not the number one guy. I just feel like DJ Moore would be like the best option to get. Other options include like Odell Beckham Jr. We've seen Chase Claypool being rumored uh, to be available for a trade by Pittsburgh. I feel like he would be a solid option. I feel like his game would be taken to another level with a guy like Aaron Rodgers at the helm. You know, I feel like the Steelers would be more skeptical now after the game he had last week. However, I feel like that would be a solid option, a solid fallback option if the Packers aren't able to get a big name such as DJ Moore or Odell Beckham Jr. But there are options. It's just a matter of whether or not the Packers will go down that route and actually give help to Aaron Rodgers. And what is, like, you know, honestly a rumor that I see every year for the past couple years with the Green Bay Packers. However, that is definitely a a situation you'd want to monitor. Um, We'll we'll have you covered with that if any news were to happen in Green Bay or any other trades were to happen in the NFL. We'll cover that all here on Laces Out. Moving on to the next segment, key takeaways. As I said, week six was a barn burner. There was so many good games, and you know there is a lot of a lot to take away. First thing I noticed was you know there are surprise teams that are looking like you know they could possibly make the playoffs. You know you got teams such as the New York Giants who are currently five and one with an easy schedule upcoming, and you know you you may think like oh five and one you know they had an easy schedule no they've been some really good teams coming off back-to-back wins against the green bay packers against the baltimore ravens both comeback wins they've looked really good in the second half albeit struggled in the first half however they're exceeding expectations you know they beat it's like the the issue with them when they were three and one it's like oh you know they they beat relatively easy teams and then they went up against the dallas cowboys who is a who are who in themselves they are a good team and then they lost, and it's like, all right, you know, that's it. They're done. Upcoming matchups against the Packers and the and the Baltimore Ravens. That's it. They're done. No, that's not the case. They beat the Packers. They beat the Ravens. They're five and one. And honestly, in a relatively weak NFC, I feel like there's a really solid chance that they can make playoffs. Who knows? You know, if they keep winning, especially with the schedule they have upcoming, I don't know the exact schedule. However, if they just keep you know playing the way they're playing, I would not be surprised if they sneak into the playoffs in the NFC. And then. As for the Baltimore Ravens, I am I'd be really concerned with this, you know, blown lead once again. They've been blown leads left and right. They, you know, against the Buffalo Bills, against the Miami Dolphins, and now against 
and now against the New York Giants, this is just not the Baltimore Ravens team that we thought they'd be coming into the season. You know, first half, they look like, you know, arguably an AFC contender, a really good team and whatnot. And then they just like really let out in the second half. And ultimately, it's really surprising to see a team like Baltimore, a team that's known for running the football, a team that's known for melting, for milking the clock. It's just really, you know, baffling to see a team like that, you know, potentially leading the leagues in blown leads right now, potentially leading the league in blown leads right now. That's really something I, I'm not so sure, but I feel like what this is three blown leads now, and we're only in week six. I feel like they've got to be in the amongst the lead leaders, if not the league lead, uh, with blown leads. But it's just really, you know, baffling from a Baltimore's perspective. Part of that really goes back to coaching. John Harbaugh really has to do a better job of, you know, finishing games out, whether it's John Harbaugh, whether it's Lamar Jackson in that offense. Something's got to give, and they got to change something because they start off so well, and then it just really goes downhill from, like, the second half onward, and they really got to change. And then <laughs> further implications from this game, Lamar Jackson's first loss versus the NFC. He was 12-0 and heading into the game, and now he was 12-1 and after the loss to the Giants. The other team that's, you know, surprisingly, look out for the New England Patriots. Two straight wins with Bailey Zappia the starting at the starting position, and they were really close to three straight wins if they be, if they had, you know, been the Green Bay Packers. However, they're 3-3 three and three now. They have a game upcoming against the Chicago Bears, which arguably you can say they're the favorite and they should be winning that game, you know, 4-3 and three maybe. And New England is right back into, into this AFC playoff race that's arguably more open than we once thought heading into the season. And, you know, just that's definitely something to keep an eye on. And then, you know, sticking with AFC East, the New York Jets, 4-2. and two. They're, you know, reeling off wins. Wins against the Pittsburgh Steelers. Wins against um, the Miami Dolphins. And now a win, a win against the Green Bay at Lambeau Field. Hey, the Jets are looking really good. Whether that is due to the return of Zach Wilson, who was undefeated since his return as a starting QB. Defense has stepped up in the past two weeks and arguably the third week. If you know, they've just gotten better week after week after week, and then that's you know in in large part due to the play of um, Sauce Gardner. You know, he's looked really good as a you know number one corner. I am going to be the first to tell you I was skeptical. You know, rookie corners they never perform well first year. There's always that steep learning curve. However, he is slotted in and he is slotted in as a really good cornerback one, and arguably I think he is the front he is the front runner right now for defensive rookie of the year. So you got to give credit where credit's due. But the New York Jets, they're 4-2, and, and, you know, they're right there in the AFC East. I'm not saying they're going to win the AFC East, however, they're right there in the playoff race as well. They're looking really good on defensive, on the defensive side of the ball and offensive side of the ball. And that is, you know, a a huge shout-out to them. And then on the NFC side, the Atlanta Falcons, they beat a really good Niners team. And don't look now, but the Falcons are ninth in scoring. Yet they even had they haven't even had London and Pitts at their best yet. They haven't even been they haven't even incorporated them into the office. Whether that's going to change or not, I don't know. However, this team has you know exceeded expectations by far. Before the season, they were, I expected them to be the worst team. Looking at their roster, they didn't have any like premier players besides London, besides Pitts. However, they have guys like Marcus Mariota, who's not who's not you know the worst quarterback in the league as I once thought. And it's just. They've been they've been competitive. They've really had close losses throughout. They should have been the Saints. They arguably, you know, should have had a shot to beat the Bucks. It's just they're a play or two away from being five and one. And you know, for a team like the Falcons that was expected to compete for the number one pick, that is impressive to think about. And they're three and three. And then it's not crazy to think they could be a playoff team. I'm, I'm not really gonna I'm not really gonna deny it. they could be a playoff team, especially in a weak NFC that no one wants to do good apparently. And then. A similar team to the Atlanta Falcons, the Seattle Seahawks. They came into this year, you know, low expectations, 
did not have, you know, had a, a ton of young players, and yet they're 3-3, three and three, and if, if they had, like, somewhat of an average defense, they'd be 4-2 and two or arguably 5-1 and one right now. So these are, like, all five teams that no one expected them to be even near playoff contention, yet here we are through six weeks in the season, and you got teams like the Giants who are 5-1, and one, teams like the Jets who are 4-2, and two, and they'd be in some really good teams, and it's just... I'd keep an eye on these t- on these set of teams. From these set, I- I'd probably say Patriots are least likely to make playoffs. And playoffs, and then arguably, if you were to tell me that before the season, I'd be like, "You're you're losing your mind." Yeah, here we are, week six into the season. Most of these teams beat really good teams, and you know their their record is warranted, and it looks like they're ready to com- you know com- compete for like at least the last playoff spot, which would be amazing for the teams that, for the teams that I just mentioned. And I feel like these are teams that you just got to watch out for. Moving on. The big game out on, out on Sunday. I feel like everyone was looking, watching this game. The Buffalo Bills win a rematch in a surprisingly low-scoring matchup. We know about the injury concerns with the Buffalo Bills. We know about how inconsistent this Chiefs defense can be. Yeah, surprisingly, this was a low-scoring matchup between two of the arguably the best offenses in the game right now. And earlier in the offseason, the Bills spent the bag on Von Miller, and he showed why they did that this past game. He showed that he's deserving of it when Buffalo needed him the most. He came up with plays that that, that needed to be made and arguably won them the game with the sacks that he had later on, later on in the game with the clutch sacks that he had. And he was just pressuring Patrick Mahomes throughout the entire game. And, you know, the Buffalo Bills are a different team with this with this pass rush that they have, and it's just, it's just crazy to watch. And then... Yeah, the Bills won the rematch. However, I feel like this doesn't mean much in the grand scheme of things. Yeah, they last year they did the same exact thing. They went into Kansas City, they beat them, and they beat them bad. However, when it mattered most in the playoffs, the Chiefs found a way to win the game. So I'm not going to say like, oh, the Buffalo Bills are officially better than the Chiefs. They may be better right now. However, it, it won't matter to me unless you know they do it when it matters most in the playoffs, which arguably I think, I keep saying arguably, wow, but which I think is uh, is ultimately going to be the AFC Championship matchup with the way these teams are are playing. And I feel like this is going to be the AFC Championship matchup in the, out in the AFC. And then you know, looking at looking at this from the Bills' point perspective, I really like how well ba- balanced this Bills team is, especially that offense. You know, defensively, we I've already said you know they're amongst the best, if not the best, uh, defense when healthy, especially. However, this offense is more balanced than in previous years. Before they were really one dimensional, relying on. Josh Allen's passing ability and his rushing ability. Now they got, you know, Singletary has really stepped up. They, they're spreading the ball more. It's not only Stephon Diggs. They're not just as reliant on Diggs. They have guys like Gabe Davis. They have guys like Isaiah McKenzie. Dawson Knox is starting to get hot. Singletary is contributing in the passing game. And it's like, this is scary to think about because they're not running as more with Josh Allen, which, you know, it's crazy. That's like a hack in itself. However, they're not. They're winning games without being over-reliant on Josh Allen, and that's a sign of a good team. And, you know, that was the biggest thing with the Buffalo Bills was, like, are they too reliant on Josh Allen and his rushing ability and his passing ability? They've shown that they can win games when he's struggling. They can, they've shown that he, such as the Baltimore game, and they and they showed that in, that they can win games, you know, if they need Josh Allen to do his thing, he does his thing, and they win the game. It's just, if I'm a Buffalo Bills guy, if I'm a Buffalo Bills fan in particular, I'd be really excited for this Bills team because I feel like this year is different. I feel like they are the Super Bowl favorite, ultimately, at, at the end of the day. Moving on to my next biggest takeaway. I'd like to bring up the argument, is it time to be concerned in Green Bay? You know, this is their first time losing back-to-back under Matt LaFleur as their head coach. Their offense is really struggling, and as I said earlier, they need wide receiver help. I would be concerned, and I would be really concerned if I was a Green Bay fan, especially if they don't get help in the wide receiver position. Losing a veteran guy like Randall Cobb, this is a young wide receiver core, and they've been really struggling, whether it's, you know, getting open, getting separation, catching the ball. They've had issues with drops throughout the season. 
I'd be really concerned if I was Green Bay. And Aaron Rodgers isn't getting younger. He's getting older. And I feel like there's only so much he can do as a player when he doesn't have the right supporting cast around him. We're seeing that with guys like Rodgers. We're seeing that with guys like Brady, who we thought would be unstoppable for like for eternity. And it's starting, father time starting to catch up to them, especially like, you know, Tom Brady, who I'll talk about in a bit. But I'd be really concerned if I'm Green Bay. Minnesota Vikings are 5-1. and one. They have the head-to-head. They practically have a three-game lead over you right now. And if they don't change something quick, then you know their their streak of winning the, the NFC North is really going to be in jeopardy because this this Packers team looks really bad and something's got to give because whether that's getting the run game going whether that's getting wide receiver help for Aaron Rodgers I'd be really concerned right now as of right now if I'm a Packers fan and you know that's definitely definitely you know time to be worried and out in Green Bay the next takeaway is you know speaking of the NFC North the Vikings might actually win the NFC North for the reasons I stated earlier the Green Bay Packers are struggling and the Vikings are managing to win are finding ways to win games even when they're not at their best and that's a sign of a good team as I repeat week in and week out on this podcast I feel like Minnesota Vikings even when they're struggling they're finding ways to win games albeit against lesser competition however that's what you got to do and that's something the Green Bay Packers are frankly struggling with a team two teams that they were expected to win against they lost against them the Giants the Dolphins, not the Dolphins, the Jets, and then you got teams like Minnesota, they're winning the games that they have to do, albeit it's not pretty, don't get me wrong, they're not the best team, however, they're finding ways to win games, and they're 5-1, and one, and they uh, they have a three-game advantage over Green Bay, and if they just keep finding ways to grind out these wins, they might actually win the NFC North, and it's not really that far off to say. Um, and then moving, moving back to the AFC, the Steelers pull off the absolute impossible, I did not believe what I was watching, you know, let's let's start from the from the Pittsburgh perspective or the Buccaneers perspective because I feel like there's more you know more reason to be worried from that aspect is Steelers were missing majority of their sec all three of their starting cornerbacks they were practically playing with a preseason-esque secondary guys like Josh Jackson guys like James Pierre a bunch of practice squad players Terrell Edmonds Trey Norwood they were missing Minka they were missing guys like you know they're starting three corners you're thinking the Bucks. this is an easy walk in the park. This is a get-right game for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in that offense that has been really struggling. Yeah, the Pittsburgh Steelers went out there. They dominated on the defensive side of the ball. And they really, you know, they had a bend-don't-break mentality. But, you know, that ultimately was the difference in this game because when the Bucks seemed like they take a hold of this game, the Steelers would come up with a stop. And then you just, it's really concerning because... You'd expect this Buccaneers offense with guys like Mike Evans, with guys like Chris Godwin, Russell Gage, Tom Brady at helm, Leonard Fournette. You'd think they'd at least be capable of scoring more than 20 points. And for them to struggle against a depleted Steelers defense, I'd be really worried. You know, I I'd, I was saying early in the season, you know, it's still early on. However, this is, this is as bad as it gets. And I'd be really worried. Tom Brady just doesn't look the same. And, you know, Ben Roethlisberger brought this up in his podcast, you know, and it's a really interesting take because Tom Brady doesn't look the same. It's like whether it's, you know, always arguing with his offensive line, you know. Yeah, he's known for doing that, but he's doing this every week. And it just looks like something's up in Tampa Bay right now. And it's just they got to figure out something. They got to figure out something fast if they want to make this, you know, a more fairy tale last ride for Tom Brady. Because it's not looking like they'll make it out of the playoffs. They'll probably sneak it. They'll probably make playoffs because their division is like not really where it's at. But, you know, if they want to make they want to make you know a long run in the playoffs a deep run in the playoffs with this being most likely Tom Brady's last year the offense has to step up and they got to step up in a big way something's got to give and then on the Steelers side of the ball you know offensively it wasn't it wasn't pretty 
they still struggled. Matt Canada, you know, still sucks as an offensive coordinator. That doesn't change the fact. However, the biggest concern out in Pittsburgh is the Kenny Pickett injury. You know, Mike Tomlin had his press conference earlier today. He said he really squashed any type of QB controversy. He said if, if Kenny Pickett is healthy, he's going to be the starting QB. And that is something that he needed to say. People were saying, should Mitch Trubisky stay as a starter, even if Kenny Pickett is healthy? You know, he looked good. And no, <laughs> I'll be the first to say, yes, it was, you know, on a short, you know, short sample size. However, we've seen Mitch Trubisky weeks one to week three. This offense really was terrible. With Kenny Pickett, this offense had more life. This offense has a higher ceiling. You're going to go through growing pains with Kenny Pickett. Sure, Kenny Pickett didn't look what really good, you know, throughout this game against Tampa Bay, but it's against a really good Tampa Bay defense. It's his second official start. Give him time. I think he's the future at Pittsburgh. I think you just got to ride it out. You can't go back and forth with this Trubisky and Pickett thing. You got to rely on your rookie QB. You got to go and give him self-confidence and just stick with him. If he's healthy, you got to go with Kenny Pickett. And I like how Mike Tomlin went out and absolutely squashed out the possibility that Trubisky and Pickett were in a QB controversy. He said if Pickett is healthy, he's going to be the starter, and that's the best thing. That's that was what he need, that's what, that is what needed to be said. Um, and then based off what he said, he's expected to practice tomorrow. So ho- I'm hoping that he is healthy for the Sunday night matchup against Tua Tagovailoa and the Miami Dolphins. And that's going to be an exciting matchup if Kenny Pickett plays. Um, that's what I'm looking forward to the most. Speaking of Sunday night football, the Eagles continue to dominate their competition. You know, they're six and zero. They looked really good, especially in that first half against the Dallas Cowboys. The Eagles are looking like the team to be out in the NFC and possibly in the NFL. They are a complete team. They have a great defense. They have a great offense. And, you know, if I'm not mistaken, they're top five in yards on offense and top five in yards allowed on defense. It's just this is a complete team. They they have the best tur- turnover differential in football with plus 12. This is just arguably, you know, a team. And it's just, it doesn't look like they're going to be losing anytime soon. Their upcoming schedule, they have a bye week this week. And then they play at home against the Pittsburgh Steelers away to Houston versus Washington at home, and then at Indianapolis before they host the Green Bay Packers in a Sunday night football matchup, which you can argue they can probably win that game as well and start season 11-0. So the Eagles are looking good, and it's like it's 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 a great time to be a Philly fan. You know, with the Philadelphia Phillies making the NLCS and playing later today, it's just a great time to be a Philadelphia fan after all those years of heartbreak in those respective sports. And then Monday night football, man, is just a matchup between two teams that have completely disappointed this year. The thing about it is, like, Russell Wilson started so well in the first quarter, I think, going 10 for 10. I thought, yeah, he went 10 for 10, and then a touchdown, and I'm not sure about the exact yards, over 100 yards, and then he just completely fell off. I don't know what happened. Yeah, he just, like, he just kept, you know, getting sacked, you know, pressured all and whatnot. However, it just it started off so well for this Broncos team, ran out to a 10-0 lead. They didn't score three. They, they only scored three points in the rest of the, the rest of the way, and it's just something's I don't know, man. It's just really... If Russell Wilson is hurt, as the reports say, I feel like you got to sit him out because he's not doing anything to help this team right now. So if he's really hurt, I feel like you just got to sit him out for a week or two and just, you know, let him get healthy because he's definitely not helping the team right now. And I respect his, you know, toughness of going out and playing through injury and whatnot. But if you're hurting the team, you just got to, you got to sit out. You got to sit out. I feel like that's what the Denver Broncos need to do, especially if he's not healthy. And just on a side note, man, these primetime matchups have been so bad. Just no offensive, you know, no offensive high-scoring matchups that we're used to in the NFL. And I feel like the NFL just has to do a better job of, you know, putting better teams in primetime matchups because it's just, it doesn't get much better, especially Monday Night Football. Bears Bears versus the Patriots. It's, come on, man. Why is that the Monday Night Football game? And then just sadly, the Broncos have another primetime game. However, thankfully, it's just one more. 
I'm just, you know, sick and tired of seeing Denver in prime time at this point, man. <sighs> this, the Denver Broncos, man, really disappointing me. But yeah, those are my key takeaways for the week. I've, if you have any other key takeaways, that 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 really like ruined my mood. I'm not gonna let that ruin my mood though. But if you have any key takeaways, let me know. You can DM us on Instagram or Twitter at NFL on Instagram at Pod on Twitter. You can always let us know, and we're open to hearing your suggestions. Moving on to the next segment, we started this last week, and I really enjoyed it. So I'm gonna keep it going week and every week after the week, whatever. Um, team of the week, as I as you know, as I did last episode, I went position by position, gave my team of the week. I have quarterback, running back, three wide receivers, a tight end, and offensive line, and then on the defensive side of the ball, four D linemen, three linebackers, two corners, and two safeties, and then one kicker. My team of the week for this week: quarterback Joe Burrow. Running back, Brees Hall. Wide receivers, Jamar Chase, Stephon Diggs, Tyreek Hill. Tight end, Mark Andrews. Offensive line, Philadelphia. Starting with the quarterback position, Joe Burrow did his thing. He bounced back in a big way against a really good Saints defense at a tough environment. And he looked like his former self, throwing for over 300 yards and three touchdowns and zero picks. He looked really good. Excuse me. And then Brees Hall, he's starting to come into his own. He's the running back one in the Jets, and you can argue, along with Zach Wilson, he's had the biggest impact with the success the Jets have been having, rushing for over 100 yards and a touchdown. Brees Hall is my part of my team of the week, and then the three wide receivers. It doesn't get better than this. Jamar Chase, two touchdowns, and then um, Stephon Diggs, over 100 yards, a touchdown as well. Tyreek Hill, 170 yards, although they lost, but you know he just he's just a great player, man. But it doesn't matter who's that quarterback. He's looked really well, really good for the Miami Dolphins. And, you know, he earned a spot in the team of the week, which arguably could have went to a ton of other guys. Michael Pittman was a guy that I was, that I was really considering. And then, you know, just it, it was really tough. But those were the three receivers. Tight on Mark Andrews. He looked really good for the Baltimore Ravens, as he always does. He's a wide receiver one there. You got to include Mark Andrews. And then offensive line, Philadelphia. They really limited Michael Parsons throughout that entire game. Made him, you know, look like a, sh- a shell of his former self and, you know, got to give credit where credit to do. That Philadelphia O-line did its thing against a really, really good Dallas Cowboys defense. And then on the defensive side of the ball, the four D-linemen are Chris Jones, Miles Garrett, Derek Brown, Quinnen Williams, linebackers, Alex Singleton, Baron Browning, Von Miller, corners, Sauce Gardner, Tariq Woolen, and then safety, Chauncey Gardner-Johnson returns, and then Terrell Edmonds, and then kicker Dustin Hopkins. The four D linemen, it's pretty straightforward. Big name guys, big name players that are making big time plays. You know, Miles Garrett, yes, Chris Jones, yes, he lost. Derek Brown, yes, he lost, but they still did their part and they, you know, wreaked havoc on the opposing quarterbacks. And then Quinn and Williams really was is one of the big reasons why the Jets were able to come out successful out of Lambeau Field. And then the three linebackers, Baron Browning had a terrific game. Monday Night Football, Alex Singleton as well, and then Von Miller. As I spoke earlier, they paid him the big bucks, and he's performing like a big-time player. He's looking really good this year, and, you know, give credit where credit is due. He stepped up when the Bills needed him the most. And then two rookie corners, Sauce Gardner. As I said, he held his own against the Green Bay Packers, looked really good, and he's leading this Jets defense in a resurgent Jets defense as well. And then Tariq Woolen, man. The man's a ball hawk. Whether it's getting picks, forced fumbles, or fumble recoveries, he's doing it all for the Seattle Seahawks, and he's really coming into his own and really solidifying himself as the cornerback one out in Seattle. And then Chauncey Gardner-Johnson, who he had a terrific game. I'm not sure if he had one or two picks, but he had at least one interception, and he had another terrific game against the Dallas Cowboys. And then Terrell Edmonds leading that depleted Steelers secondary, and he looked good making tackles for a loss. You know, whether it was like, you know in coverage, he looked really good and really stepped up for a depleted Steelers defense. And 
I had to give him a shout out. And then Dustin Hopkins, man. The man kicked, you know, the game time field goal and the game winning field goal. And throughout the game, he was dealing with the hamstring injury. The man was basically kicking off one leg. And, you know, he deserves to be on the Laces Out Team of the Week. So, yeah, that is my Team of the Week. If you have any agreement or disagreement, let me know. As I said in my, in our, you know, you can message us or, you know, in our comments or wherever. And then the next segment. Um, I decided to do it a bit differently. I had my friend Amin give me a list of takes and then I am going to say whether these are, you know, as I said last episode, you know, it's a scale, the rule of this segment, I say a take and then on a scale of one to 10, 10 being, you know, overreaction and one being a normal, you know, normal take. I have to give my opinion on this said take and whether it's an overreaction or if it's, you know, a solid take. The first one. Mind you, I haven't seen these before, so this is my first time seeing seeing these. First one, Giants and Jets are playoff teams. I am going to give this a 6. It's not an overreaction, however, it's not, you know, set in stone. Jets are in a relatively strong AFC. I am less confident in the Jets making the playoffs than the Giants. Reason being, the Giants are in the NFC. There are not a ton of really good teams in the NFC, and I feel like that that, that spot is wide open. Whereas in the AFC, you have teams like the Buffalo Bills. You have teams like the Baltimore Ravens, the Cincinnati Bengals. You have teams like um, the AFC West, the Chargers, the Chiefs. There's so many good teams in the in the AFC that it's really hard for like the Jets, which is why I have it as a six. However, if they keep playing the way they're playing, they could really make playoffs. Over the Giants, I'm more confident in them. But the reason being this is a six is mainly because I'm less confident in the Jets making the playoffs in a strong AFC, which is no... You know, slouch towards them. The next take. <laughs> Bailey Zappi, better than Mac Jones. <laughs> I am going to say a... And this is tough. I'm going to go five. I'm going to go five because Mac Jones made the playoffs with the Patriots last year. You've got to give credit where credit's due. Mac Jones is a really good quarterback or a solid starting quarterback. However, you can make the case now that maybe he's a system QB because Bailey Zappi Bailey Zappi is doing really well for, in a Patriots offense that's, you know, they were missing Jacoby Myers for a week. I don't know if they were missing him last week. However, they've looked really good. Lions, Lions game, you know, that was against the Lions. However, against the Packers and against the Browns, two really good defenses, they scored 24 and 38 respectively. And Bailey Zappi has, ste- Zapp has stepped in and has he has looked really good in Mac Jones' absence. I wouldn't say this is an overreaction. However, I wouldn't go far as far to say he is officially better no questions asked i'd say this is a five i am in between with this eagles will reach 10 and 0 a one i think they reached 10 and 0 with that schedule and i'm not i'm not hesitating with that that's a one you know it's a solid take i'm i'm, I'm fine with that the next one josh allen is the mvp i am gonna go with a three because josh allen is arguably the favorite right now however you guys you have guys like jalen hurts jalen hurts is still in there lamar jackson you know as much as you know he he's really hurt his case the past couple weeks however he's still in it i feel like those are the three guys and you know I'm, I'm gonna go with the three it's not it's a solid take however i want to say he's the mvp lock so that is a three brian dable coach of the year i'm gonna go with the one for what he's doing with giants a giants team that i predicted to have five wins for them to have five wins by week six yeah he's coach of the year he's doing wonders with this giant he's working wonders with this giants team and it's scary to think that they could get better you know better qb more weapons this, this i like the job brian dable's doing that's a one i think he's coach of the year favorite right now trade the next one Trade deadline is going to be crazy this year. A lot of names going around, such as CMC, Cam Akers, William Jackson, DJ Moore, as I said earlier. I am going to go with a 7 here. 
because every year we're told like you know this trade deadline is going to be like no other and whatnot and we always get disappointed and i'm not going to get my hopes up because you know i feel like every year this happens and then just you know it ends up being like one minor trade or whatnot so i'm going to go with the seven i think this is a bit of an overreaction it's just i find it really rare especially in the nfl where they've had a crazy deadline like the nba uh, other sports like mlb nhl and whatnot I'm going to give this a 7. I feel like this is a bit of an overreaction because the NFL is just not known to having crazy trade deadlines. And then final, last but not least, the Seattle Seahawks don't need to rebuild. They can still be competitive. I'm going to go with a 4 here. The reason being, I feel like offensively, they're set. Geno Smith continues playing the way he plays. He can be their starting QB for the next couple years. They got guys like DK Metcalf, Tyler Lockett, Kenneth Walker. They have a young up-and-coming offensive line, Noah Fant. And then defensively, they got guys like Tariq Woolen, Kobe Bryant, Quandre Diggs. They get back Jamal Adams. Um, they have a relatively solid defensive line. Linebacker, they got Jordan Brooks. They just need a few more pieces, and, you know, they can get that in the draft with two first-round picks upcoming, the Broncos and their pick. I feel like they don't really need to rebuild. They can still be competitive. They can arguably sneak into the playoffs this year, and they can get better. You know, the guys that are the rookies, the rookie defensive backs that I'm talking about, they'll have a year of experience. You add, you know, two premier playmakers on the defensive side of the ball, and boom, you know, Seattle Seahawks might arguably be the favorites in the NFC West next year. That's really not far-fetched to say. So I'm going to go with the four, you know. I could be overreacting. However, I feel like, I feel really confident in the Seattle, and like, I feel like their future is brighter than what people give them credit for what it's, for where it's at right now. But yeah, those were the takes. Let me know what your thoughts on these takes and whether some of these are overreactions or some of these are just normal takes. But let me know what you thought. What are your thoughts on that? Next segment, stock up and stock down. So some players, some players, teams, coaches, they've seen their stocks rise up this week and some seen their stocks rise down. And I am going to highlight the, the four that I think had their stocks ris- risen up the most. First one, Bailey Zappi. He's looked really good. He's looked as a starter. He's 2-0. and He's, you know, really taking this Patriots offense to new heights <laughs> ever since he started. And, you know, I feel like his his level of play really, you know, raises the question towards, you know, whether they should actually start him in the near future, even when Mac Jones gets healthy. So I think his stock went up the most. Arthur Smith, he, as I said earlier, this, his, Falcons team's, his Falcons team is exceeding expectations, and I feel like his stock went up after a huge win against the San Francisco 49ers. And then Chase Claypool, he's been getting a ton of slander and, you know, stepping up in a big way against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, making, you know, the game-winning, the game, you know, Game win, arguably, yeah, it ended up being the game-winning touchdown and then two key third-down conversions. Chase Claypool's stock went up. And then Kenneth Walker, he stepped in and stepped in as a solid workhorse back for the Seattle Seahawks, and the sky's the, the sky's the limit for him. And I feel like Kenneth Walker seeing his stock rise up the most amongst other players. And then stock down, Justin Fields. He's looked really bad. I'm just really concerned with Justin Fields and his, his position as a franchise QB with the Chicago Bears. The Ravens and their game management, I feel like that stock went down as well. You can, whether you want to attribute that to Lamar Jackson or John Harbaugh, I just put the game management as a whole. The Bucks offense, I spoke my concerns and worries about the Bucks offense. And then Kyler Murray, he looked really bad against a really, you know, a defense that's really struggled this year. And, you know, I'm really concerned about Kyler Murray and I feel like the stock really dropped this week. Moving on to the next segment, the studs and duds of the week. So the studs of the week. Matt Ryan, got to give credit where credit is to the man balled out. 389 yards, three touchdowns, zero picks with a with a QB rating of 107.6. Shout out to Matt Ryan. Stephon Diggs, 10 receptions, 148 yards and a touchdown. Jamar Chase, seven catches, 132 yards and two touchdowns. Those are my, those are my three studs of the week. My duds of the week, the offenses on Thursday Night Football. Combined for 19 points scored, only two touchdowns. 
both offenses reeked, and they are my duds of the week. Kyler Murray is another dud of the week, 23 for 37, 222 yards, a touchdown. Uh, no, no touchdowns and one interception against a Seattle defense that has really struggled this year. Tony scored nine points. Kyler Murray's my dud. And then my dud of the week. And then Cooper Rush, 18 for 38, 181 yards, a touchdown and three interceptions. Kind of showed that, you know, the hype around him was really, you know, overreacting. I'm going to admit, you know, I rose the question. However, I feel like Dak Prescott is the guy that needs to lead the Cowboys moving forward. And this game proved that exact reasoning. But those are my studs and duds of the week. Let me know what your thoughts on that as well. And then final segment, Thursday Night Football Preview. The New Orleans Saints head into Arizona to take on the Arizona Cardinals and what is expected to be a more offensive, a more more often. We should get more offense in this game, which this is what I'm trying to say. D-Hop makes his long-awaited return for the Arizona Cardinals. And this Arizona Cardinals team, adding Robbie Anderson, I feel like they'll... Adding D-Hop, I feel like, will open up this offense. And Kyler Murray is a different quarterback with, with D-Hop on the field. So I think we'll get more offense. And then on the other side of the football, both QBs are hurt for the Saints, so we don't know who's going to be the starting QB. Um, regardless, I just don't think their offense will be as bad as, you know, the Washington and Chicago um, offenses. They got guys like Alvin Kamara, potentially getting back Chris Olave, maybe Michael Thomas. I'm not so sure on that. However, getting those guys back and then, you know, Cardinals getting D hop back, I expect there to be more offense in this game. And then overall, this game is a pretty much must win for both teams. Both teams in a wide-open NFC still can make playoffs if they, you know, string a few wins together. I feel like this is a must-win for both teams, especially teams that these teams had playoff aspirations heading into the season. My expectors for the game, for the New Orleans Saints, I'm going Alvin Kamara, especially if, you know, you're missing guys at the QB position. You know, they're going to be playing hurt. Wide receiver, they're really thin in that position. I feel like Alvin Kamara needs to step up and be that guy for the New Orleans Saints to have a shot and win in this game. And then Arizona Cardinals, I'm going with DeAndre Hopkins. First game back, I feel like he opens up this offense a ton. And if he plays well, then this Arizona Cardinals offense plays well. And that opens up so much more possibilities for this Arizona Cardinals team. And then finally, my game prediction for this game, I am going to go Arizona Cardinals. The Saints are just dealing with too much injuries. And I feel like the return of DeHop will rejuvenate this Arizona Cardinals team. And I feel like they win this game in a Thursday night football, hopefully high-scoring game because I am feeding in for high-scoring offenses in primetime matchups. With that being said, that wraps up this episode. I really hope you guys enjoyed this episode. If you guys did, I would really appreciate if you guys left a good review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to your podcast. You can find us, as I said earlier in this episode, on all the major podcast platforms such as Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts. Just look up Laces Out and you will find us. If you can't find us, then go to our Instagram and Twitter. Though The link is in our bio for both respective social media accounts. We're available at Instagram at Laces Out NFL and then on Twitter at Laces Out NFL Pod. That is it from my end. I really hope you guys enjoyed this episode. Stay safe, stay well, and enjoy the rest of the week.